know, I watched that and I thought about Kevin Hart. I thought about his history with his relationship with his mother and God and all of those things. And then I thought, how appropriate to do a roller coaster. Because a roller coaster really is a picture of life. It's a picture of how life works. You have ups, you have downs, you have twists, you have turns, you have fun, you have cry, you have bugs, you have the whole thing. You really do, don't you, in life? And I think what God wants to do is he wants us to, he wants just to reach into your life right now, reach into your heart right now this morning, and I want you to examine the parts of your life that are prodigal. The parts of your life that are prodigal. You say, well, I'm not a prodigal, I'm here. No, you can be a prodigal and be here and really not be here, if you know what I mean. So I want you to look into the lives where you are most likely to move away from God or have moved away from God. I want you to bring them in and I want you to give them to Jesus at the cross. Here's a couple of thoughts I want you to, to keep in mind. First of all, love always overcomes sin. Love always overcomes sin. You see, it doesn't matter how much sin you have. Do you know that God has more love and more grace than you'll ever have sin? Sometimes we get to feeling guilty. We say, you know, I'm just such a big sinner. I mean, guys are great at this. They go, oh man, preacher, if you knew what I have done. I said, do you know how many of those stories I've heard? Every guy thinks he's one up the next guy on sin. That's not a goal to be achieved. God is never shocked. Never shocked. But the thing we know about Scripture is that God, the Father, is always consistent. He's always going to be there for you. The God who loved you yesterday is the God who loves you today. Don't feel like, well, I don't think God loves me because I've been really bad. That's why Jesus came. Because we're really bad. Well, you don't know me. I don't have to. The Father does. You see, when we begin to think about this, God also understands that in life we have to have a place where we, we see him and we have that return. That's the idea of a prodigal. In fact, you can't have a comeback unless you've had a setback. There's something that happens when you finally get so far from God or you get so far from life and you say, wait a minute, what am I doing? And you say, I've got to change. I've got to change some things. I've got to make some steps in the right direction for God. Well, let's take our Bibles and let's look at the story of the prodigal from Luke chapter 15. And we're going to begin looking here in verse 11. In verse 11, it says, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion, the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to his livelihood. So this young guy said, you know what? I'm really sick of staying at home. My parents don't know anything. I'm tired of all the work. By law, I'm probably legally, uh, you know, ob you're obligated to give me something here. And so can I have it early? The amazing thing is the father says, yes. Do you know that sometimes God answers your prayers so you can understand what you asked for was the wrong thing? Do you hear what I said? In Psalms it says they lusted in the wilderness. God gave them the desires of their heart, but he sent leanness to their soul. Yeah, God will answer a wrong prayer. And he'll allow you to understand the depth of the problem of sin that's in your own life. 
And that's going to be the drawing back to God. I know people say, well, I prayed about it and, and, and I think God is cool with it. Just because you feel good about it doesn't mean God is cool with it. Just because God allows you to do it doesn't mean that God's blessing it. You have to realize that you have to stand strong in the Lord and the things of the Lord if you're going to make it. Well, look what else this is. It goes on here to tell the story. Verse 13, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. In other words, the modern version of that would be, he had a heck of a good time for a little while. He spent everything he had having a good time. But, have you ever noticed all the buts in Scripture? There's buts in life and buts in Scripture. This is the but in Scripture. But, the story doesn't stop there, does it? But when he had spent all, when he had spent all, have you ever heard of that phrase, I feel spent? I feel spent. He felt spent. Not just was he out of money, but he was spent. He was emotionally pulled in every direction. Financially, physically, mentally spent. Nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. He didn't know what to do. It said, and there arose a famine in the day. Let me show you this, and I'm going to say it a couple of times through this message. It is this, the further away from the Father you get, the more severe the famine will be. Do you hear what I said? The further away from the Father you get, the more severe will the famine be. Famines increase because you leave the presence of God. A famine is the absence of something. The absence of the presence of the Father is going to bring famine to your soul. And you're going to find yourself living out this life, claiming you're a Christian, and yet nobody could tell it by the way you live your life. Nobody could tell it by the way you spend your money, your time, or anything else. You just have the name, but you don't have the character. You don't have the Spirit of God moving in you and driving you forward to change the world. And that's what was happening here. Verse 14, when he had spent all a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the swine. So here's this young Jewish boy. He's now going into the fields, and he's feeding pigs, an unclean animal. And it's the only thing he's got. Only thing he's got going. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. See, there was no grace. You know what grace is? It's somebody giving you something you don't deserve. That's what is, you see, that's why the prodigal works, because God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Is that good news? Anybody perfect here? Raise your hand. Okay, well, good. We've got a, we've got a group of sinners. Amen? Got a group of people that are human. God loves that. And it says here that he would gladly have filled his stomach. But then in verse 17, but when he came to himself, and literally what we might understand is this, when he said, I must stop the insanity. The insanity has to stop. Notice what it says. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat? But I perish with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father. You see, if you're going to make a step in the right direction, it starts with a decision. 
You have to first say, wait a minute, what am I thinking? Then you have to do something about it. I've seen a lot of people over the years of ministry where they, they stop the insanity and they never go to the next step of decision. I've got to do something about it now. I've got to take a step in the right direction. Stop is one thing, but now I've got to move with decision and say, but I'm going to take some steps to move in the right direction. And he said, and I will go to my father. And notice what it says. And will say, that's confession. You know what confession is? Confession is simply agreeing with God about God's assessment of you. That's all it is. God, you say this about me, I agree with you. Instead of trying to make excuses, well, yeah, I know, but I wouldn't have done that had it not been for so-and-so. Or it was the way I was raised. It's all the problem. No, 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 wait a minute. Take responsibility. Amen? Take responsibility. Let's say that together. Take responsibility. When I do that, guess what? When I face those kind of things with God like that, the things that I reveal to God... God conceals. Now listen to this. The things I reveal, God conceals. The things I conceal, God reveals. When you're faithful to reveal it to God, confess it to God, God says, let me just cover that over. When I try to hide it, when I keep it to myself, God says, let me just peel back the layers of that and let me just expose that to you and everybody around you so you see what everybody can see what's really going on and you say, wait a minute, I don't want that. Deal with God. Go on and look what it says here in verse 19. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my father, I'm going to say to him, verse 18, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Make me like a hired servant. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You know what I love about this part right here? He's headed back, but the father's looking all the time. Father never stops looking. See, that's the heart of a parent. Heart of a parent says, you know what? You may be away from me. You may be happy without me, but I'm never happy without you. That's why the most miserable experience in life and the greatest experience in life is to be a parent. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. amen. It's a wonderful experience. I have all these little cute little kids bouncing around, loving, yeah, yeah, da, da, da. Then they grow up and they turn into something. <laughs> we all did it too. We did it to our parents. Don't be laughing and thinking, yeah, see, see what he's talking about. No, you did it too, mom and dad. But the heart of the Father always says, I want you. I'm going to draw you. I'm going to pull you in. Right now, you should be, the Spirit of God is just saying to some, maybe all of you right now, I love you. I'm pulling you in. I'm drawing you in. Don't, don't think that I'm not thinking about you all the time. All the time. It says he fell on his neck and he kissed him. The boy didn't even get the rest of the speech out. He'd rehearse the speech and, you know, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me a hired servant. He didn't even get it out. Look what the father does. And the, and the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and your son. No longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said unto his servants, bring the best robe. Bring the best robe. That little word, best robe, is literally in the Greek. It means the first. The first one he would have received. 
You see, he was never covered with the robe while he was in the father's house because he was a wayward son. He didn't love his father. When the father called for the robe, he put the robe on him, and the robe was righteousness. It was, it was approval. It's not just the best robe. It's not the quality. That does, that does not fully communicate this word. It is the first robe. The first time you're going to be clothed with righteousness. It's when you come to faith in Christ. It's when you understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the dead. You get the robe, the first robe. And it says here that, as you look at it, it says, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. Put a ring on his hand. Well, that was a, a symbol of royalty. royalty. It was a stamp that you belonged to the household. You could open and close doors with the ring. You had the ring of the Father. The authority was there. And then it said, put sandals on his feet. You see, they didn't put sandals on the feet of slaves in those days because they would run away. Without sandals, you could catch a runaway slave easily. But he said to him, you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a servant. You're now a son. Put shoes on his feet. And that speaks of revelation. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, it says that we are to put on the, the gospel shoes. That is the preparation. We are to reveal the truth. We are to be quick to tell people about Jesus. Spread the word everywhere you go. Tell people about Jesus. By the way, I just want to go ahead and make this public right now so I get myself committed to it. Um, on the second week in September, we're going to go to two services, a 9 and 11. Amen? And I expect all of you to be at both of them. Amen? It's just time to make the step. If we're full on summer, we're going to be doing great in the fall, so just be praying about that. Also, just want to use this uh, little time to talk about the School of Ministry. We launched our School of Ministry first class uh, on Tuesday night. We had 63 enrolled. Uh, one of the great stories was we got there. There was a lady there, didn't, didn't recognize her, and uh, come to find out of her story, said, how did you end up here on Tuesday night? What's going on? She said, well, I prayed. The Holy Spirit told me to show up here on Tuesday night at 630. Who shows up at church on Tuesday night at 630 without the Holy Spirit? Amen? So we are really excited. And then in October 30th, you want to mark your calendars, October 30th, we're going to have a church-wide dinner uh, to launch our official school of ministry. We're going to have a two- and a three-year program for that. We're also working with another university for accreditation, uh, which should be pretty exciting. But uh, we're going to have a uh, special speaker, uh, Retha McPherson, who was Miss South Africa, whose son uh, was pronounced dead. It's amazing how God keeps bringing all these people that are you know, somebody has died or they've died and bring them into our life. I'm going, what is going on here? It's the most amazing story you've ever heard. And about how her son, uh, who still can't speak, he writes what God's telling him. Let me, just, let me just take you down that journey for a minute. So one of the things he began to write, he said, Mama, I, you, need to go, you need to go see this mom and dad because their little boy died and when I went to heaven, I met him. And here's his address. Her mom thinks, to, you know, well, you know, you're just, he's just delusional, you know, something's crazy going on here, and so she didn't do anything about it. A couple of weeks go by, and her friend comes over and said, how are you doing? And writes, well, I, I'm doing fine, but my mother's disobedient to God. <laughs> because she won't go see this family and their little boy. 
Well, now under pressure and duress, the mother decides she's going to go and see if this address even exists from this young nine-year-old boy. And so she drives, and sure enough, there is an address there. She goes up to the door. She introduces herself. She said, I know this is really strange, but um, do you have a son named such and such? She said, well, we did, but he died three years ago. So when my little boy died, he went to heaven, and he met your little boy, and your little boy said to, tell, to go tell his parents that he's okay. No way this boy could have known the address. No way the boy could have known the name. It's just a mystery of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a Christianity that is understandable. I don't want a God that I can fully understand. I want a God that's bigger than my brain, bigger than my reason, bigger than my logic. I want a big God, amen, because a big God can come through, amen? Amen, give him glory. I mean, I think everybody here wants a big God in their life. Need to see God do some stuff that he hasn't done already. And that's what we're seeing in this story. And so here you see the ring and you, and you see all these great things happening in the life of this young boy. And now look what happens. He says in verse 24, for this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. They began to be married. You know what happens when you come back to God? God's not doing, I told you so. That's your parents' job. <laughs> I told you so. Here's what God's saying. Let's party. I'm just quoting scripture. You tell me I'm wrong, it says let's party. The guy just went out and wasted half of all the father worked for his whole life. He's come home, he's ragged, he's beat up, he smells like pigs. The father says, wait a minute, it's party time. We need, some, we need a ring, we need a robe, we need some shoes. We got to get this thing going. And, and here it says here, uh, verse 24, For this my son was dead, is alive again, he was lost and found. They began to make merry. Now, now the older brother enters the scene. Now the older brother shows up, right? And look what he says. He says, uh, came and he drew near and he heard the music and dancing so he called one of the servants and he said what do these things mean and he said your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound your father has killed the fatted calf but he was angry and he would not go in why would somebody not rejoice in someone coming to faith in christ why would someone not rejoice for the prodigal returning home. Well, he had a history with him. He probably had all he could take of him, right? He'd wasted half the money. He got his half, but I don't know what he was worried about. He was, maybe thought the, the son was going to get some more. But, not, but notice what happened here. But he was angry, would not come in. And so the father came out and he pleaded with him. Notice the father's doing. He, he's waiting for the prodigal and he's pleading for the older brother. So whether you're the older brother or whether you're the younger brother, God is pleading for you. He's wanting you. He's loving you. He's pulling you back in. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, all these many years I have been serving you. I've been serving you. Man, look at me. Look at all I've done. I've been serving you, and I am entitled. You know, there's some people that serve God for the wrong motive because they think it has to be their way on their terms. That's entitlement. There are times in my heart, in my life, and I'm sure in yours, where you have to examine your life and go, wait a minute, why am I doing this? I've got to do it for the right reason. 
I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. In other words, I'm perfect. I'm self-righteous. And yet you never gave me a billy goat to barbecue with my friends. I didn't want to party with you, Father, and I don't want to party with the younger brother. I want to party with my friends, and you never even offered up a billy goat. You see, here's the problem. I am a victim. But as soon as this son of yours, not my brother, as soon as this son of yours who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, well, nobody ever said anything about harlots. He introduced the harlots in. We don't know that that was what the boy was doing. You killed the fatted calf. And he said, now look what the father says, son, son, a reminder, never forget whose child you are. You are with me always. You have security. And all that I have is yours. That's provision. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. Let me give you a couple of thoughts as we kind of pull this message together. Here's the first one. Freedom is never free. I don't care what you want in your life. If you think it's not going to cost you something, you just wait. I can't begin to tell you the lives we have to untangle over the years of ministry of people who wanted freedom and all they found was greater bondage. Greater bondage. They went into the far country. You know what the far country is? The far country is the place that's away from God. Away from God. Remember, the farther, the farther from God, the more, the more severe the, the famine. And, it, and he went there and he spent all that he had. You know what he did? He tried everything and it didn't satisfy. He came to a place that says, I don't know what to do. He was spent. He was ready to give up. Did you know that's exactly where God wants you? He wants you hungry for him, desperate for him, dependent on him, not self-sufficient. Now, you don't have to blow up your life to get there like this guy did. But he came to himself. You know, there's, there's something called temporary insanity. You ever seen it in someone? I'm talking to a guy, and he's telling me what's going on, and, 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 and his logic is totally off. And I just look at him, and I go, you are insane. Repeat after me. You are insane. No rational-minded man would ever think that. No, 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 no. And then give it a year, give it two years, the guy comes back to me and goes, what was I thinking? My daughter did that for a while. She started bringing home all these boyfriends. After she'd, they'd leave, they'd go, what do you think? I said, are you kidding me? Are you insane? No, you're not going to fall in love with this guy. You're not going to marry this guy. This is a bunch of stray dogs you're bringing home. No, 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 no. You can do better. No, all my friends love him. All my friends think he's wonderful. Then she breaks up with him, and then she comes to me, and she goes, Dad, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I told you, Jen. Now, she's married to a wonderful man. God bless her. God bless me, too, because I'd had to put up with some of those other guys, right? <laughs> so what happened to the younger, the younger brother? He came to his senses. The, the insanity stopped. And he made the right confession. The same thing happened over Nebuchadnezzar there in, in chapter 6 of the book of Daniel where he had walked away from God and all of a sudden God had brought him back. And listen to what he said. My understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored Him who lives forever for His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from generation to generation. 
You don't say those kind of things unless your reason, your understanding, you come back to yourself. The other thing we need to see is the Father is always there. See, the Father, He's got this sense of like, I'm going to watch because I know my boy's coming down that road. See, God is all-seeing, all-knowing. You know, think about it like this about God. God never learned anything. God's never been amazed by anything. He knows all that can be known. He's never been shocked by new information, never sought counsel. Do you think he doesn't know what's going on in your life? You think you can kind of hide it? You know, some people say, well, if I just don't go to church, I, I don't think anybody will know I'm away from God. Hey, if there's only one person who knows you're away from God, it's enough, and that's God. Right? That's God. Father knows all, but God is really quick to restore and forgive. I love this scripture in Isaiah 65, 24. Just write this down, Isaiah 65 and 24. It says, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. God is hearing thoughts you haven't even thought yet. God is answering prayers you haven't even requested yet. That's a big God. The other thing in this scripture is that grace is not fair. Do you think it's really fair that this boy went out and did all that stuff, came back, got the ring, got the robe, got the shoes? There's something human in us that says it's not fair, right? How many of you say not fair? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Not fair. Come on, raise your hand if you really believe. Come on, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to go on... This is not a trick question. It's not fair. If you don't raise your hand, something bad's going to happen right now. Thank you very much. Okay. It's not fair. Grace is not fair because here's what grace is. God forgives you not because you do good. He forgives you because he loves you. He doesn't love you because you're perfect. You're not perfect. You never were. That's grace. It's unmerited favor of God. It's not fair. And if you look at the lives of these, you know what the younger brother symbolized? Sin. The older brother, law. I've always done what's right. Sin. I do what I want to do. It took the Father to bring the two of them together in grace. You see that picture throughout Scripture. When Jesus died on the cross, you've got one over here and said, if you really are who you say you are, law. And then you've got this one over here, sin. And it took Jesus to bring together in grace a message of hope. You see it in the life of Joseph and his brothers. You see law over here. We don't like you. And then you, we see Joseph over here going on this road. And it took the Father bringing them together. Throughout Scripture, it is law and sin that God brings together and says, no, it's not law, it's not sin, it's grace, always grace, always grace. Let me just talk to you. Have you ever lost your spiritual momentum? Maybe you've lost it right now. Maybe you're getting it back right now. Maybe you just got on the roller coaster and say, I'm getting it back. Let's just say that together. I'm getting it back. Okay, let's try it again. I'm getting it back. See, that's a declaration. Versus saying this, you know, I sure hope I get it back. No, I'm getting it back. It's a declaration. I'm forward movement. I'm going in a direction. If you lose your spiritual momentum, it may be because Jesus has become ordinary to you. 
If you're losing your spiritual momentum, it may be that you're relying on yesterday and what God did yesterday. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to come back. Don't let him become ordinary. How do you return? It's pretty simple. You can just go to Jesus. I'm just coming. Jesus said this, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You ever just feel that? Sometimes we invite Jesus, Jesus, come over and help me. No, he says, I said, come to me. I'm not coming to you. You come to me. Come to Jesus when you're weary and heavy laden. And you're going to find some rest. Because, you know, your burden is really heavy, right? And it doesn't fit well. It doesn't feel good. But mine's light. If you let me carry it, you bring it over here and leave it with me. Here's some life applications. Here's the first one. The Father, the Father is waiting for you. He's just waiting right now. You see, the boy had to come to the Father. You have to come to Jesus. Isn't it time you come home? You might not be the prodigal that ran away, dodged church. You may be the prodigal on the inside who just can't wait for his chance. Wait for her chance. I'll promise you this. One step in the right direction can change your life. One step in the right direction can change your life. One step in the wrong direction can change your life. Good or bad can be determined by one step. I'm going to ask you today to make a step in the right direction. I believe that there's some people here today who have a prodigal son or daughter, and it's a burden for you. And I want you to have an opportunity to really pray for them. I want you to have an opportunity for people to pray with you. I believe some people just say, you know what, maybe, maybe there's some things inside of me that I just need to give back over to God. Maybe I'm an obstacle in some way to my kids coming back to faith in Christ. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a student. Maybe you're, you're a young person. You're saying, you know what, there's, there's just some prodigal tendencies in me, and I don't talk about them, but I know deep down inside I can't wait to be set free. I want you to know one step in the right direction can change your life. One step in the wrong direction can change your life. I want you to make the right step in the right direction today. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand together. I'm going to pray.